0: ladies first disc golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs with over 50 five-star reviews on google and facebook listen to what their customers have to say carla c says this is the place to shop when wanting to get something special for the disc golfing ladies you know the superior customer service ability to quickly make custom orders product knowledge and utter kindness shown to all makes this a standout company If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. For Ladies of the Chain's listeners, we're offering an exclusive 20% off discount on your next order of $19 or more. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout. Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart and we are here to recap this week's professional disc golf world championship. And I'm so thankful to be joined by Kim Janola, that was there on the ground competing in FPO this past week. Kim, how are you doing? Uh,
1: I'm recovering. It was, a, it was a rough week.
0: Yeah.
2: So,
1: um, both physically and uh, environmentally. Played sure. some, ground, or some practice in the rain. It's kind of hot. Um, I think I injured one of my legs a oh, little no. bit. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be thankful not to play a, a tournament for uh, about two weeks.
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, there's there's kind of a point where you, you kind of have all the golf, which is great. <laughs> um, but then it's... Yeah, that was uh,
1: actually a point of conversation that came up mm. when I was uh, having dinner with Team MVP was how many people who watch the sport through YouTube or, or whatever... Don't understand that for a touring pro, it's not a matter of if you're at a hundred percent. It's about what percentage are you currently at at any given event? Sure. And they kind of addressed that a little bit in the uh, player interviews that yeah. led up to uh, the event. Um, I think you know, Paul and Paige and um, Katrina, Paige Birkus, mm. and Greg Barsby, we're all talking about their various states of health, and yeah. but yeah, it's a if you're playing a tournament every weekend for the most part, for yeah. the majority of the year, eventually you're going to be playing through some injuries. That's, so, and I don't even do that, and here I am, and I pushed through three days with mm, a little bit of an injury too.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, such a good point. It's easy for us, you know, sitting on our couch at home, just watching the YouTube and you know chatting away to make our uh, speculations and judgments, but the the physicality of, of all this is is a big deal. Um, and there's actually a lot to get into about that uh, for you and for other players in the FPO division that went down this week. So I want to get uh, your personal experience and then kind of talk through uh, what went down in, in the, the top uh, 10 or so there. Um, but first, I want to do a quick shout out. There was also an all-women's event that took place. uh, yesterday, Saturday in Virginia. And this was the conclusion of the Virginia Women's Series that we've talked a little bit about here on the podcast. Um, And shout out to Carol Quinn. If you want to know more about the Virginia Women's Series and read a great interview with her, they did one very recently at pdga.com. We linked to it as well on our Ladies of the Chains uh, Facebook page. So you can check that out. So I just wanted to run through those winners really quick uh, because in FPO, taking home the win was our friend Elaine King, which was super cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so Elaine shot seven under over two rounds to take the win. And then I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Kelly Boyce and friend of the podcast, Sarah Nicholson, coming in tied for second place, both at five under. And then uh, at FP40, Becky Trojan took the win. FA1, Beth Kimball. FA40, Karen Shearer. FA50, Angie Jones. FA2, Inter- uh, Courtney Cooper. And FA3, Rebecca Stafford. And FA4, Gabby Lungu. And if you listen to our interview a few weeks ago with Kristen Parsley, uh, a lot of those names will sound familiar because these women kind of just go around together. There's about uh, 40 to 50 of them. This was the finale. There were 52 women that played this particular event um, and do this uh, six-stop tour of the Virginia Women's Series. So super cool. Awesome for them. And uh, yeah, glad to see that it looked like a very successful uh, season for that tour. All right. So let's get into Worlds. Obviously, this is like the biggest disc golf news uh, of the world. It's the biggest disc golf story um, and biggest tournament in Uh, this season. So Kim, you were down there and I I just kind of want to talk through uh, each round for you and just kind of your general experience. Um, These are courses that you, of course, have played before. Uh, Sunset Hills was at Ledgestone last year and Northwood, a variation of it anyway, last year. And let's, I guess let's start there. How different was Northwood Blue this year from your experience of it when you played Ledgestone?
1: Completely different. Mm. Um, like the back nine, the the middle of the back nine is just complete, you know, all new holes. None of that was familiar. Um, there's also some changes on the front nine as well. Like uh, hole three, when you eventually see this on the post-produced or if you mm-hmm. watched it live, played very long. You, you know, you had to make a, ve- um, a tight gap and then get all the way down the fairway, get over a creek. Last year... When I played that course, it was just kind of a lazy hyzer shot that faded to the left, and you didn't even have to get out of that gap. So that was completely different. Um, the the subsequent hole, the hole f- which would have been hole four, that wasn't even in play this time. Uh, so, you know, there are quite a few changes, actually. Um, and even Sunset different than the last time I played it. You know, hole seven right. was completely new. Right. Um, hole eight was modified a little bit. Hole nine is not the, the hole I played the last time I was there. Um, uh, and then a uh, hole 15 also completely new. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely was not, the same uh, two courses I played at Ledgestone last year.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about your round one, because you had a really, you had a lot of just great cards. Um, but round one, you got to play with uh, Kristen Tatar, Erica Stinchcomb, and Katka Badova. So yes. cool international card there with Kristen and Katka. And had you played with Erica before? I'd
1: played with none of them before. Awesome, It was completely new for all three uh, women. You know, i Something I mentioned, you know, I got to play with a whole bunch of new players this time that I really haven't gotten a chance to see or, or share a practice round with, much less a competitive round. So yeah, it was neat to have all three of them on the same card.
0: Yeah, and uh, they all played, you all played pretty well that first round, um, but Erica... Kind no, of sh- I, I, I won't <laughs>
1: say that I played
0: well. I, I don't think <laughs> right. I had a good round
1: one, um, but I definitely was in the company of those who did.
0: Yeah, so Erica kind of shreds that first round. Um, oh, yeah. What was that like to watch up close? Um, Both
1: her and Kristen were both shredding for most of it. And then, you know, she kind of pulled away from Kristen a a little bit near at the end. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, what is it like to watch? I mean, that's, as a competitor, it's kind of like, oh, no, I'm falling behind.
2: But it's, you
1: know, you also admire the the skill that goes into all of the shots, Mm. you know, the... Consistency that goes into keeping everything onto the fairway and all the—you admire that all of the putts go directly into the chains and not splashing out or chuffing on mm. against the metal or anything like that. But really, as a competitor, if you're struggling, kind of like I was in mm. in round one, there, there's part of you that's like, what are you doing wrong? What? Do you, how do you adjust this? You know, what is it your footwork? Or are you not mentally? Mm readjusting to your positioning, what's happening. and so it, I know you really want to know what it was like to play with kristen tatar and right. and some of the others, but I was kind of focused on some other things at that point,
0: sure. And do you feel like for Northwoods, especially being a wooded course, that having both wings was really important, like being oh my God, I can't hand, tell hand. you. yeah,
1: I, I can't tell you how important it was mm-hmm. to have both wings. Um there are some lines that, uh, like last year, I wouldn't have be, I wouldn't have attacked them at all with a, a a forehand. I would have tried to turn over a an understable disc or forced over an overstable disc, something like that. And, and having both wings just to throw from yeah, it's it provides you a a freedom of thought and kind of an unburdening of of pressure that. I really noticed at both courses, despite Mm -hmm. what the score was, I always knew what I was going to throw and which line I was going to throw it on. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have a whole bunch of hesitation there. And having both wings is definitely part of that.
0: Mm. So having experienced it yourself and watching your competitors that first round, like just how insane is Evelina's negative seven that she was able to achieve that first round?
1: <laughs> True story. Um when we hit hole seventeen, round one, I decided to actually take a look at U Disc and sure. see where everyone was. And there's this moment where, you know, I announced to the card, like, Do you mind if I share a score with you? And Erica's like, No, 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 I don't want to know. And Kristen's like, Yeah, I prefer not to know too. And I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, well, that's that's fine. I'm glad I asked. That. Right. <laughs> and um so at that point I had known where Evelina was
2: yeah.
1: and when it was all said and done and we finished with hole 18 and I'm like, do you want me to t- tell you now? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, Evelina shot seven under. And Kristen's like, you know, these,
0: these are the women I have to play with day in and day
2: out. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, because seven under at Northwood yeah. Gold is just, wow. Um And don't get me wrong, uh, I know that if I play my game plan exactly, if I execute everything that I intend to do, I can finish Northwood Gold under par. Mm. Obviously, I didn't do that, but I know where I can attack and where I have to play safe. I don't think I've got seven under par you know, birdies at that course. And I think she even had a couple bogeys, which means right. she had more than seven birdies. Mm. So yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's a fantastic run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like, so we'll kind of just talk through this. Cause I've got you pulled up here too. So she, she bogeyed hole three and then played clean the rest of the round. Um, but she got the birds on 10, 11, 14, 16, and 18, um, And it seems like, I mean, the whole course is tough, but that, you know, back nine finding the birdies there was, was pretty impressive. Um, and then in that first round too, we also saw a really kind of breakout performance from Valerie Manduano. I don't know if you saw her player and counted her at all, you know, in your time there, um, but it's not really that surprising that she had a great week because she's a really good player. She's 930 rated right now. Um, but she managed to find quite a few birdies at first round, too, which was pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, it was, uh,
1: both Mondahanu um, sisters were saying hi to Sarah Hokum at the mm. pop tent at the Fly Mart that I wandered by. And they spoke for a little bit about looking for uh, a birdie bag. And we only had osmosis bags, obviously. Mm. So wasn't quite what they were looking for. And um, I'm like, Oh, wow, you know, I should have introduced myself. You know, they, yeah. I know who they are. They
2: right.
1: <laughs> just have never really introduced or anything. Sure. And so later on at Walmart that night, I had to go pick up one or two things. And uh, there they are walking down <laughs> on the aisle. And I'm like, go introduce yourself, go introduce yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, they don't
0: want to talk to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um Alexis and Valerie I saw you I didn't introduce myself I'm sorry
0: that's okay I mean to be fair even though you did happen to see him twice we're at the point where with FPO you know it's like when um, I met a guy from Estonia randomly a few weeks ago and I was like oh do you know disc golf and he's like oh yeah 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 yeah." I'm like oh do you know Kristen and Silver he's like what you know like where you can't make the assumption that oh just because yeah. you're playing FPO obviously you know everybody right um, which is pretty cool because the feed, field is getting bigger and bigger so it's harder and harder you're, you know you're not going to get to play with everybody you're not going to get to see everybody and and that's awesome but anyway yeah. So. And speaking of Estonia, that was one of the things that Katka, I
1: wanted to bring up because mm. I thought it was was interesting. She said that uh, when she comes to the United States, the one thing that she's kind of surprised by is just how much plastic is here. Mm,
2: yeah. And by
1: that, she means like plastic bottles, plastic bags, huh. plastic in general, not disks yeah, but just totally how much you black, you know, disposable <laughs> right. plastic is in yeah. the United States and huh. you know one of the things she said was like in the news they say you know we, we just have too much plastic there's plastic everywhere there's you know there's a plastic crisis and then she's like I look around Estonia and I don't see it <laughs> and then I come to the United States and I'm like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and huh. she said they keep all of the plastic bags that they you know get in the United States, yeah. and they take them back home with them, and they're like, you know, we just reuse them when we're wow. there.
0: Okay, huh?
1: And so it, that was an interesting observation for right. a European player. Yeah, um, you know, for example, uh, when you're setting up a course and you want to provide water to your players, are you bringing out jugs full of water that you have to refill, or are you bringing out cases of bottled water? that you can just kind of leave out there and forget. Right. And, you know, that's one of those instances where this came up.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. (laughs) Um, Cool. So let's move on to your second round. This actually ended up being your highest rated round uh, of the week. Second round at sunset. And uh, remind me everyone you played with in the second round, because I feel like I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, let's see. I think that was it was Kaylee and Sandy, right? Was that round?
1: Kaylee. Yeah, Sandy. and Courtney Cannon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we were kidding around that um Sandy was playing with Kaylee. Kimberly right. and Courtney, so she right. had to be Candy for the rest of the <laughs> round.
0: So. Well, and that's so funny, right? Because these things happen at these tournaments that you're at World. So you're still having the World's experience because we right, got. No, no, no,
1: it wasn't Courtney. Oh,
0: I... that was the. No, Courtney, Courtney,
1: I played with in round three. Right. There was somebody else with a K in round oh, two. Oh,
0: uh, was that the Katarina one round with uh, Katarina? Might from... have been Katarina. And she's from Norway, right? Yes. Yeah, so you had Katarina from Norway and then Sandy from Canada. And then Keely from Kansas City. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of all over the place no, I there. I thought Katarina was
1: round three as well. Maybe. Wow. It Geez, all blends no
0: together. Like I sh- I thought I was keeping better track, but five round- or four rounds is a lot of rounds too. I well,
1: remember. hold on. Now, now it's going to bug me. I have okay. to find this out. So let me, <laughs> That's right. let me oh, go back yeah. and look at the
0: Kona. I played with Kona there. That's that right. One. So you still have your K's then? Because it was Keely, yeah. Kona, and Sandy. Is that right? Yeah, so super cool. Get to play with Sandy from Canada, which is awesome. Yeah, Sandy was a hoot. Yeah, oh, so cool. And uh, then Kaylee, who... It's from Kansas City, so you've certainly played with her before. Mm -hmm. And then Kona, who you hadn't played with. It's my second time playing with
1: Kona. I played with her at Sunset at Ledgestone two years ago. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, so it was my second time playing with Kona, and it was great to see her again, and we had a good round, so it was fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, just tell me a little bit more about Sunset Hills. I mean, it looks like a really fun course to play, obviously a ball golf course, but also has a lot of trouble to get into, a lot of uh, different shots demanded of you, would you say that's true?
1: Yeah. Um, I actually think Sunset Hills is my favorite ball golf course to play on right. that I've experienced thus far. Obviously, some of the other ones like in Las Vegas or Utah, I haven't got to experience them yet. But I, the ones I've played on, Sunset Hills is definitely my favorite ball golf course. Uh, you do really... Need to be able to throw off both wings. I mean, you can get away with throwing just backhands, but um, you're going to really, really serve yourself better if you have mm. both wings at sunset. Mm. Um, most of the uh, you know the bunkers play there as hazards. Right. That's that's kind of interesting because uh, you don't see that too much in Kansas City. So I didn't. It's weird to actually get to say, "Hey, I'm playing something for a hazard this time instead of an OB." And
0: mm. I had a thought about Sunset from just an outsider looking in. And I'm really curious to see if you find this to be true. Like, obviously, golf is so mental, no matter where you are, no matter where you're playing. But I feel like that particular course is like a different level of mental game, because everything is more or less gettable. So it becomes so much about like the execution and your mental game, because it's there for the taking, whereas maybe some other courses, especially ball golf courses that are super long, I don't want to say like it's, it's less of a mental game, but when there's maybe like 12 holes, you know, you're just going to play for par because they're like 500 foot, you know, open holes, that it, it just introduces a different element of the mental game being even more important. Do you think that's true? Or is that a wrong conclusion on my part? I think it's
1: going to depend on the player and what they prefer. For example, I think I'm going to put more stress on myself if I know I'm playing for par Mm -hmm. and I end up taking a bogey than playing for bird and taking a par.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: So, you know, if we're talking about um, a course with tons of OB or if you go off the fairway, then there's just no way you're going to get Mm -hmm. up and down, something like that, and you miss your first shot, and you're like, okay, well you know, staying even is no longer even in the equation now. How do I scramble this? And can I even scramble for par? Uh, you know, I, I might stress out about that a little bit more than something like at sunset where, you know, on hole two, it's a gettable birdie. Right. I mean, you need to get something up over that initial mm-hmm. hill, you know, at the, the where the basket's sitting on. But if you don't, you know, the three really isn't that much of a concern. So I don't have to stress out about saving par at that point. Mm. So, yeah, um, at someone's level, like, uh, you know, Paige Pierce, Katrina mm-hmm. Allen, or or Sarah Hocum, or Evelina even, where you know that whether or not you get that bird is going to determine how much right. money you're getting. It might right. be a different story. Sure. but. For me, who is just going out there to play Sunset and enjoy mm. playing Sunset, um, I was going to stress out less yeah. about taking a par than I would about taking a bogey at Northwood.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really excellent. That's some good insight. Um yeah, very good. So let's talk about kind of the the rest of your experience uh, over rounds three and four, and then we'll kind of get into all the stuff uh, that went down. So round three, back to Northwoods. Yay. <laughs> and uh, I think that was the round Do you remember. Oh, that's the round. I think you got to play with uh, Jennifer Sawyer in that round. Is that right?
1: Yep. That was Jennifer Sawyer, Courtney Cannon, and I think that one was Katarina.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. So, again, another player from somewhere else in the world, uh, Katerina mm-hmm. being from Norway. Yep. Uh, so getting like the full world experience, which just made me so happy, like, you know, just watching uh, on Udisc and watching how everything went down. I was I was really excited about that. Um, and Jennifer Sawyer is the team captain of the women's team of MVP. And yep. uh, this was the first time you've played a competitive round with her. Is that correct?
1: It's the first time I played with her, period. Awesome. I've never even gotten to share like a, a circuit event or a practice round or anything like that. Um We were uh, at Northwood on Sunday. It was me, Steve Holloway, Gary Patton, and Jacob Armbrust, all from Team MVP. And we were getting ready to play. And then Jen Sawyer comes running by, going, Hi, hi, bye, bye. And she'd already had a card (laughs) she had signed up to play with for her practice runner, like, What? You're leaving us here? (laughs) (laughs) So that opportunity wasn't there. But yeah, so first time getting to play with Jen. It was exciting because. you know, she's she's old school team MVP. She mm-hmm. was team MVP before there was a team MVP, sure. and so you know, for those of us, um, you know, the women that throw, you know, MVP or Axiom or Streamline, who've been following, you know, the company and its team forever, you know, she was the person we looked at and said, you know, look at Jen. Jen's the one representing us, right. and so yeah, it was it was good to to play with her finally.
0: Yeah. Did you do any kind of like? bad comparisons as you were playing of you know were you throwing some similar discs or just like very different molds
1: um no not really i i didn't i mean she probably noticed what i was throwing and i noticed what she was throwing but we weren't actively comparing it at the time um we have very different games Mm. um very different styles of play and so it was neat to watch the contrast but It, it's not like I was like, ooh, you're throwing a crepe sure. here." I too am also <laughs> going to throw a crepe here. Right.
0: Nothing,
1: nothing quite like that.
0: So, that you, did you not have anything like you and I have had occasionally, where we've both thrown out the exact same disc color and everything on a hole, and that's where you have to, you know, have the markings so you know who's is no, who. Or anything like that. No, good. Um, that's good.
1: <laughs> no, nothing quite like that, and, and it, it was kind of interesting because we didn't really share any disc colors or, or anything. Yeah. So
2: nice.
1: You know, when we came across a, you know, a black ringed disc, she knew if it was hers and I knew if it was mine. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty identifiable that way.
0: Awesome. Right on. Very cool. Okay. So then after that round, uh, headed into your final round, round four, I send you a message because I am like over the moon excited as I see your card come together because uh, you get to play with Zoe and And Sarah Lamberson-Sinclair of Innova and uh, PDGA Radio fame. And then also our friend Cynthia Ricciotti. And that seemed like it was going to be a pretty cool card to finish off with. So can you talk a little bit just about your your final round there at Worlds?
1: Yeah. uh, I had opportunities to obviously have a better score. My putting was not what it was in round two. Mm. Um, I missed badly on a couple and that really cost me but the thing I'm going to take away from round four is there were a lot of times where we had to make an out-of-bounds call mm. or, or something like that and it was the most professional
2: mm.
1: and courteous display of you know acceptance of the call yeah. or asking your card mates to make the call there was no uh hostility mm. or or arguments or, or anything that one might imagine might happen in, in something like that. Yeah. It was really, this is how rules calls should be made. Mm. If there's any ambiguity on whether or not it's inbounds or outbounds or, or did it cross here, did it not cross here, everyone there was was so respectful mm. and so just receptive to the feedback that their card mates were giving them that it was there was never any worry about having to ask someone are you really sure your disc went out there Mm. and so that was a joy to play with and if you combine that with the fact that everyone was very supportive very encouraging Mm -hmm. we were laughing we were giving high fives and fist bumps yeah it was great
0: awesome awesome glad to hear it. (laughs) So yeah, is there anything else you want to share about your experience that week? I know you mentioned you had um, the MVP team dinner, you uh, had some practice rounds. Yeah, anything else uh, about your week?
1: Well, I I had a couple of good things that happened. Like uh, one of the things Nova and I have often talked about was hole one at sunset is something both of us have always wanted to bird.
2: Mm, It's one
1: of those shots that When you look at it, it's it's there. It's gettable. Yeah, it's on a dangerous slope, but if you do it, it's it's just right there. You can get it. And when she was at Ledgestone, you know, one of the things she told me is like, "I got it. I got my (laughs) drop in bird." (laughs) And I'm like, "Yes, now it's my turn." And round two, I got my drop in bird on Sunset. So.
0: Can, was, you, uh, can you actually talk a little bit? Because I'm super curious. Like, How did you approach that hole and what did you throw?
1: Uh, off the tee, um, I threw a Fission Tesla mm-hmm. to get as far down as I could. And then my approach was um, actually a Plasma Crave. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, I try to play as close to the sidewalk as I can. I don't okay. want to go to the left of the sidewalk. Right. but I. you see a lot of players really go deep onto the fairway to the right-hand right. side and then try to attack it a little bit more head-on than I prefer. I mm-hmm. I kind of want to be up on the hill just to the right of the sidewalk as okay. best I can. Yeah. And then I want my my approach shot to fly for the most part straight, mm. fade left, and then just kind of come to its rest right, right. by the basket
0: right because that's like kind of the danger on that approach shot is because you've got that downhill slope so if yep. that angle isn't right you're rolling
1: right yeah. or you're you're shooting completely past the right. basket and you're and you're right. going into the water and so yeah in in round two my crave just did exactly what I wanted nice. it to do it and it was kind of rewarding because I think it was Kona who was watching my flight going that looks good and yeah the it dove, it dove beyond our sight. We didn't right. know where it was. Right. And the spotter raced down the hill to try to find it. And he took a long time oh, no. <laughs> before he came back up and gave me the, the green flag. And yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, did it go down to the water? Right. <laughs> right? You know, am I, am I trying to putt back up? And then when we got up there, no, it was like three feet from the basket. And it was like, Yes, yeah. And then round four that the wind was a little stiffer. So mm. I went up to my proton crave and it didn't, it had the right distance, but it faded too early, so I was mm-hmm. left at the top of the hill, and then my approach did exactly what you talked about. It rolled down the hill, yeah. and and then I had to like approach out from behind some trees, and that didn't work out so well. Yeah.
0: And uh, speaking of fission Teslas and me living vicariously through you, um, can you talk a little bit about hole four too? Because I, I know you made a Facebook post talking about like, that's the hole, you know, that you think of when you think of sunset. And yes. that's the hole I think of too, because what a fun shot to throw. Um, so can you kind of describe that hole a little bit and kind of your experience with it this week?
1: Well, it's, it's the first water carry for, yeah. for sunset and Everyone sees it, you're up on top of a hill, you have to finish left, there's a sand trap right by the basket, there's also some tall, um, I guess that's a bush as my, as opposed to tall grass, but there, there's definitely some foliage there where your disc can get caught up and uh, the landing zone is a hill, you know, if you, it can't, you know, your disc has to land so it doesn't stand up and roll because it goes in the water so B, or if you don't cross the water, it's also OB. A lot of people will lay up there, and right. I've never laid it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even think in practice I was laying it up, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I've played that hole four times now, and I've gotten a birdie on it three of them. Yeah, and it's it's one of those one of those moments where I was. Always going to judge myself as a golfer against the mm. women I was watching on YouTube of mm. whether or not I could play that hole like I was watching them play it. And so seeing myself get into circle one from the tee there and then making the putt. It, is kind of one of the more rewarding
0: moments where you're like, wow, I
1: can really do this. This is, this is something I can do.
0: Oh yeah. And to get that bird is impressive too, because you can get the water carry and and land safe and still either have not, you know, an obstructed putt or just be far enough away that you don't really have an easy putt or a putt at all. So uh, yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Cynthia in round four, I think, you know, she, just crushed her drive it it went well clear of the water, but I think she was obstructing behind the the bush right and so right. Um, we uh, we're all teasing about uh, the height of golf at some point and like uh, Cynthia's like, I wish I could be taller for this shot <laughs> and Zoe and I had been talking about how she wishes she was 6'2 at one point in right. time. And <laughs> later on in the round there was a uh, a hole where. Cynthia was um her disc went into the cabbage a little bit and she you know was taking a very low stance kind of on one knee to pitch out and it was like perfectly Cynthia shaped like anyone else would not have been able to get in there the way she was and so you know we're like you know it would not be good to be six foot two and try to get get in there so so yeah awesome
0: very cool Uh, yeah. Well, did I cut you off from any other stuff that you wanted to say about, uh, yeah, just about your week?
1: Uh, I guess one of the other things I was pretty, pretty pleased about was, um, hole 12 at Northwood. Yes. Um, yes. I birdied it one round and part at the other round. Everyone was talking about hole 12 at Northwood and and what it was like. And I'm like, I did not bogey that hole.
0: Yeah. That's bananas. (laughs) Oh, and that's, oh, I,
1: I got it. in. That was something that was fun. Like uh uh that was the round I played with Kristen and right. Katka and Erica and Erica was a little bit further out in circle two than I was, and she just canned this great putt, yeah. just just bullseyed it. And I'm like, I don't want to follow that, <laughs> but I was the next person that was meant to putt. Right. And then i I got up there and I canned my putt and nice. that was for bird. And it's just like, Oh my God, you know? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you didn't want to follow that.
2: And then, oh.
1: and then, uh, I think Kristen got up and they just nailed her putt as well. And it oh, was just like, we're so putting cool. on a display
0: here. <laughs> and so,
1: yeah, that was, that was one of the great moments from oh, round one.
0: So cool. Cameras on every hole. We need it. <laughs> um, awesome. well, congratulations and uh I'm so glad that you got to go and got to be out there and um selfishly because then I get to like pick your brain about all of it um but it sounds like it was a fun week for you you would say so yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely
1: um obviously wish I could have had a better result um was really hoping I could play Saturday but right and there's just you know too many mistakes especially during round one sure um And you know, I had tournament jitters in round one. I was really
0: sure. Yeah.
1: I told myself, Don't have tournament jitters. (laughs) Don't (laughs) have (laughs) tournament jitters. Yeah, that didn't
0: work. (laughs) Yeah, I've tried that before too. It just doesn't seem to really do anything. (laughs) Well, and there's no reason for me to have had tournament jitters.
1: But you know, it's like out I was deliberately out there just for the experience of it and I still got tournament jitters. Oh
0: yeah. Well I mean there's I'm sure an energy about the place, you know, being the event that it is. And, I mean, you're literally competing against the best women in the world. You know, this, yeah. this particular world's especially, like, there's some, you know... What high, is showing
1: by the European yeah,
0: players? Yeah, 100%. Um, like, we... There were, I think, expectations just based on ratings, right, um, going into this tournament of who was going to finish up near the top. And those expectations turned out to be very true um, of how everyone placed for the most part, uh, but very exciting to have a world with so much representation from all over the world.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, was it 15 countries that, that showed up? Something I think like so. that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Far more than I... I had like added it up. I don't know, a couple months ago, and then there were some more signups after that. Um, so yeah, even more than than I anticipated, which was really cool. So um, yeah, so if it's cool with you, let's like transition here a little bit and uh, talk through how kind of everything went down for the rest of the field because uh, it was quite a tournament, quite a battle. Lots of drama. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Nothing nothing boring about this one by any means. Um, and just a lot of really good play and exciting play. So we, we kind of talked a little bit about round one. So let's kind of pick it back up with the rest of the field in round two. Uh, so Evelina just destroys Northwood Blue round one. Uh, Ten twenty five rated round. Um, just... You know, I think we've kind of used all the support pluratives we can about it, it is so good. Um, and then round two moves over to sunset like we talked about. And uh, Katrina Allen really um, slays that that round and shoots a nine under. Um, and then I'm here on you just looking at the hot rounds uh, for round two. And Henna uh, Bloomers shot a six under. Um, she had had kind of a difficult round one, and something I guess that we should also mention too is is Paige Pierce did not have a good first round by any means. No, um, she put she went into round two on third card. She wasn't even on the chase card. Um, so difficult round for her in round one, and then round two she made up, uh, like, not that much ground at all. Like I'm I'm scrolling down here. Actually, she made up a little bit. She was four under. Um, so she had the fourth best tied for the fourth best round Um, but you know five behind the pace that Katrina had Um, and then third do you know who had the third hottest round in round two do you remember
1: the third hottest round yeah. in round two. I won't blame
0: you if you don't remember because that's a very specific question. But it's someone. No, to I was going <laughs> to say I can pull up disk. <laughs> I know, keep, right? but <laughs> <laughs> which I'm doing. Um, but no, but no, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. With a five under, the third best round that round was Ellen Whitboom. Um, oh, nice, yeah, good Ellen, job, Ellen. Yeah, she had a really good tournament. I I kind of want to. Um, we talked to Ellen last year on the podcast, and I'd love to talk to her again because. The way she's put together her season, I think, is so cool and so smart because she's kind of, um, you know, she's still playing like every weekend, but she's stayed closer to home base, played more regional stuff and kind of come out for the, the big tournaments. And her ratings have just like shot up this year. She's, I think, almost always finishing in the cash. She might have cashed in pretty much every tournament that she's played this year. I haven't actually checked that. Um, so kind of a different approach from just, you know, going and touring the entire country, but it seems to be working really well for her. So that is great. Uh, other hot scores in round two, Sarah Hokum took a four under, Kristen Tatar took a four under, and Callie McMorran took a four under. So a little bit of a shakeup after the second round and Katrina went into the third round um, with a two stroke lead over Evelina, But back to Northwood for round three, and here comes Evelina again, man. She just, like, owned that course. She beat the field both rounds, um, which is phenomenal. And I think, you know, speaking to your earlier point, she has such a strong, strong backhand and forehand. Um, She seems to be very comfortable with either one, very accurate with either one. um, And in the woods, that just served her so well. Um, but then, uh, so she's shot a five under in round three, then Paige Pierce, uh, shot a four under, Hannah shot a four under, uh, Rebecca Cox shooting a three under, she had a really good worlds too. Uh, and then Paige has now worked her way up to lead card, heading back into sunset for, uh, rounds four and five. And really at that point, Paige just takes over. <laughs> um, it was really the... The fourth round and then the final round she shoots a nine under um, both rounds over a thousand rated and ultimately comes out uh, the winner um, clean round in round four round five with just one bogey which means she got uh, ten birdies in that last round uh, really really phenomenal play um, and uh, I did a little bit of nerd math because it's fun <laughs> um, and. Ah, uh, Paige over this tournament. Even though she she kind of struggled there early on, she still shot nine ninety seven rated golf overall, um, mm-hmm. and that is really cool. Her first worlds that she won back in twenty eleven was uh, nine seventy four on average. So. Definitely an elevated um, play from her. Uh, she's gotten better over the years, as you would expect, and that's just awesome. Uh, and the field's pushing her. Obviously, this this tournament um, showed that, and uh, she walked away with five thousand for this one. Back in twenty eleven, she walked away with two thousand. So the money's going up too. Um, which is cool. It was really funny though. I was talking to a friend of mine today and he's like, "Yeah, I saw your post something about some woman won a thing <laughs> like it was $5,000 and then 2,000 and or something." And I was like, "Yeah, so you know, I explained to him the situation and he was like, "Okay." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, the men's winner got 10,000." He's like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, you know, there was like over 200 in the men's field or something and then, you know, women had 46." Yeah. He's like, "Well, that's not right." <laughs> I just Made me laugh. This friend of mine who really doesn't know anything about disc golf—he's like, "Okay, you know, well, I'm going to push for the, you know, United States National Women's uh, Soccer Team to get equal pay, and for disc golfers too." It's like, "Thanks, buddy, that's awesome."
1: <laughs> yeah, this was a an interesting world in terms of just the swings of momentum. Yes, like you know, those of us who came off the course in round one and saw Evelina's score, and, right, and knowing. What you know, most golfers can do at sunset. is just like, oh my God, she just gave herself a lead that no one's right. going to come back from. Right. And then you know, Cat just comes out and throws fire at sunset right. in round two, and suddenly, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is Cat's tournament now. Right. And Then you know, after round three, or excuse me I'm physically after round four when Page threw her 52. Yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of like, oh my. What is going
2: on at this tournament? <laughs> right. You know,
1: and and that's exciting, especially from a spectator point of yeah. view. Um nothing there was a foregone conclusion, you know. Uh, what do we have? A three way tie going into the finals, something yeah. like that? Or yep. Or, yep. or at least if it wasn't a three way tie, it was like one stroke separating them. Yeah. So yeah, it was crazy getting to to have that kind of finish. Yeah. You know, you, there was no victory lap here, right? And that's that's kind of uh, what our sport needs is mm-hmm. is that excitement.
0: Mm-hmm. And even you know to further your point, so I watched back through. I was working all day yesterday, so I watched back through all of the live coverage um, for the the final round there and after four holes Katrina I'm sorry after three holes Katrina had taken a two-stroke lead over Paige and Mm -hmm. we just and we just talked about hole four at sunset right and um, Katrina had a reasonable putt after her drive she had a great drive and Paige's drive went long and she had a 60 footer and you know she nailed that 60 footer to take the birdie big fist bump and I think that was, to me, uh, really a big, big shift. Because oh, absolutely. She if she misses that putt, if she goes long and has maybe a, a, a tough comebacker, she could have even, I don't think she really was in that much danger of going out of bounds from the angle she was at. Um, but, and, you know, Katrina makes her birdie putt, then all of a sudden it's a very, very different feel um, for them. A, a different, you know, mental place that you're in with like a three stroke lead or a four stroke lead, uh, after the first four holes. So that was huge. And then uh hole nine page made another like fantastic birdie put and that it was over after that in my mind, like that was really where all of a sudden it was like, okay, <laughs> Paige has got this pretty much locked in. Um, and you know, it was, uh, yeah, that it was cool.
1: That's not an easy bird from that on that elevated basket either. Right. Exactly.
0: No. Exactly. Yeah. Like that whole things can go a lot of different ways. Um, I believe, gosh, I'm trying to remember now if Katrina either went OB, I think she did go OB. She yeah. was like right on the edge, um, on her upshot there. And, uh, yeah, that was just the biggest momentum shift because that was a very, um, <laughs> intense putt that Paige made. And yeah, just, that was, that was kind of it. Um, yeah. Now, other
1: things like um, I was so happy Sarah Hokum pushed herself onto the lead card so
0: much for yes.
1: the finals. I mean, it's it's not easy to have to push yourself up from the back to get into that position, totally. and you know what what game to to make that happen. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah, and she um yeah she's shot a fifty five in round four, and that was a uh, a thousand two rated round, um and yeah I was. So kind of over the moon. So let's just kind of go through like the, the spots here. Um, so Paige takes the win. Evelina has a definitely a very difficult, I would say about front nine, 10, 11 there, um, where she just had some bad breaks in that final round. Uh, all over the basket it not going in and then just some some rolls and things that happen and we should mention too that final round was a rain delay so they were dealing with um, still some rain at the beginning of the round and wet tea pads and, and all of that too um, and I don't think that was really messing with Evelina too much it was just you know wasn't her day there for a little bit but then she kept pushing hard um, to take a uh, solo second place which She's 19, (laughs) you know, like she's 19. This is her third time in the US. Um, coming over from Finland and you know, it was just really neat to see her perform really well and, and, and kind of up to expectations. I would say, I think like no one would have faulted her if she had a rough tournament for all those reasons I just listed, but she just still came out and shot very, very good golf. Um, so good on her. And then Katrina Allen ultimately drops to third um, after she just the final round, it was going good. And then once it started going bad, it just started going real bad. Well,
1: um, she was also in a position where, you know, Kat didn't come there to take second.
0: hundred you know? percent. Right. You know, that's so right. she
1: was, she was going to go for everything right. and, and try to make things happen. And, and sometimes they don't go as well when you push as if you Absolutely. would play safe. And
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, she could have had second locked up if she wanted it, sure. but, that's a really but good she point. was trying to, she was trying to come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's a really good point. Um, and then Sarah Hokum honestly had like a fine finals 953 rated round, just a little bit, you know, below. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm reading the online. So she had she shot a 60, which was a 944 rated round, which I'm sure was a little bit disappointing for her just knowing what she could do on that course. Um, so she dropped down to fifth place. But then Hannah Blumrose had another really, really good round and shot into fourth place. Um, and then, uh, just by one stroke over, over Sarah mm-hmm. Hokum, and then Kristen Tatar comes in at sixth place. And again, that's, that's kind of what you would have expected more or less just based on ratings. Um, Paige Birkus had a little bit of a, a rough go of things, but outside of that our you know, six highest rated women ended up in the top six, <laughs> you know, so yeah, Lisa
1: Vegas had a good, good push yes, to get into the so top that, 10. Well. I was
0: so excited about that. So Lisa Fagus then coming in, in seventh place. And uh, she had has had some, you know, up and downs playing wise this year. So I was just over the moon stoked to see her just tear it up. And uh, take that seventh spot and then kind of quietly, I feel like no one was really kind of talking about because obviously there was like so much drama going on on that lead card with, you know, these three women tied and and all of that. Um, But Holly Finley had a great tournament coming in eighth place. That's great. $800. Good for her. I mean, fantastic. Uh, Rebecca Cox then in ninth. Really, really good job there um good showing for her she again had a kind of rough final round but i think to your point right like at that point you have nothing to lose (laughs) like you know like maybe a couple few hundred dollars but just push go for it and sometimes those high risk reward shots work out and sometimes they don't um so kind of i didn't see her around so who knows but uh that's what i would kind of speculate
1: i've got a big uh Big shout out and congratulations to um, Emily Beach and Sarah Gilpin in 15th place. You know, we've been playing with them locally for a couple of years now and... I mean, what what an awesome result for both! So much,
0: and it made me giggle, right? Because they tied (laughs) for fifteenth, and at our uh, tournament out here at the um, Diva Fiva back in May, they also tied and went to a playoff, right? Uh, And that just made me laugh. But um, but yeah, they've both been having a good season. Uh, I feel like uh, Sarah, especially, has been out there, just kind of at a lot of these bigger tournaments more than uh, maybe I've seen her in the past, and she's just been playing really well, and obviously. You certainly know that you've been been at a number of those tournaments with her.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, she she goes to some of the events here and there and, and she's definitely challenging herself against some of the better women in the game. It's, um, you know, where circumstance is different and she was touring full time sure. and could dedicate, you know, all of her, you know, off time or, or whatever to practice and, and really prepping to challenge the top women at, mm-hmm. you know, the highest level, you know, she might be there, right. you know, she's oh, yeah. got a lot of stuff going on outside of disc golf right. that, you know, prevents her from doing that, but sure. she's got the game, you yeah. know, she could easily be up there.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's such a disc golf thing, right? That you have some years where the big tournaments come closer to you and having, you know, Ledgestone be not that far from where Sarah's at in Iowa um, for you or for, or for her, or for you, or Nova, you know, right? Like our uh, Kansas City people here too. Like Peoria is a reasonable drive, right? Like if if Worlds is in um, Portland, that's not a reasonable drive from here. Right. There. No, we, that's not Regardless
1: happen. of what what happens, we can we can go to Glassblown. We can go right. to Ledgestone. You know, there there's a couple other events. Like a Mid America Open is right. really starting to yeah. come into its own, and and stuff like that. And, um, there there are a lot of good local events, but. It's not as though we're going to the Memorial or right. going to Beaver State or right. going to MVP Open or, or any of these big, uh, huge stops on the tour. You know, sometimes they're just, you know, life is just not going to let us get there.
0: Right. And uh, but that's why I appreciate that a lot of these like majors do move around because then at least you know you've got a chance of some years where things are just going to come together that you're going to be able to play some of these bigger events um without you know having to put in as much effort and money and travel yeah. and all like, of that to get to them
1: like next year I think world is in Utah and right. oh right. my goodness you
0: it's a lot <laughs> easier for me to get
1: to Peoria than right. it is to get to Utah
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's why you know when you could take advantage of the fact it's, it's good to be able to, if you can just because you don't know, you know where it's, it's going to be um, in a few years. It might, the next few years it might be like totally unachievable. So anyway um, I think those things are important obviously as we build the sport um, and grow the sport to, to attract more people that they can come out and play um, and, and experience um what these tournaments are like. So a couple kind of downers I wanted to mention, but just because I did get Uh, some information from the various media outlets. Um, Unfortunately, Vanessa Van Dyken and Jen Allen both had to uh, DNF. Um, Jen pulled a muscle. And since she's a physical therapist, she had, I think, probably a pretty accurate self-diagnosis. So lots of healing and well wishes uh, to Jen. She's been having a really good season and she was having a good tournament too. Just unfortunate, um, you know, kind of to your earlier point, we're at that point in the year where... Some of these injuries kind of start being a little easier to be had just because the wear on the body and everything else. Um, and oh, then yeah. uh, Vanessa Van Dyken, uh, on the live coverage, they were saying that she has been dealing with a trigger fi- finger, which is a really funky thing. My mom actually had this when I was a kid, where like you just kind of lose control over a finger. Um, and there can be like pain and discomfort associated with it, too. And I believe it's on yeah. her right hand. There are a
1: lot of players dealing with with grip issues, Mm. um, like, uh, Ricky. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Um, just on the women I played with, I know that, um, Jen Sawyer had a little bit of a, a problem that was, you know, affecting Mm. her grip. And I think Cynthia was developing one Mm. near the end of round four. And so, you know, this is a five day tournament. A lot of things can happen. And, um, like, I slipped something on on one of the pads in round or in round one. I, mm-hmm. I don't exactly know when it happened. I just knew later that night I was like, wait a minute, something really hurts. And so, you know, I was taking a leave for the final three rounds just to make it through. I wasn't going to go home, but uh, yeah, injuries, yeah. injuries happen. And yeah, you know, I saw, I saw Jen on day four with her leg wrapped up and, mm. and she was saying she was going to try to get through it. And then, I saw that she didn't complete it so
2: Yeah.
0: Get better soon Jen. Yeah, for sure. And and that's just, you know, another thing that you know, you don't always know what, what players are dealing with, right? And and what they're having to to overcome to be able to to play and, and to try and play at their best. Um, and these long, these long week tournaments, you know, we're, that's kind of what Worlds is known for. And <laughs> I mean, thankfully, it's shortened a little bit over the years. I can't imagine like, you know, seven rounds in a final nine or whatever it used to be. There was
1: a, there was but, a big discussion about that. That was yeah. one of the questions in the... And like the player interviews that led yeah. up to it, I was like, "Do you th- do we think that four rounds and a final, fi- you know, a final after a cut is the right, right right amount?" And um, you know, obviously, you know, eight rounds and a final nine. Oh my god,
0: that's a, yeah. That's a lot <laughs> of cool. Well, and I think to but,
1: be um, yeah. Sorry, keep going. Uh, there was part of me. After round three, that was like, I need a sixth round. I need a sixth round. Because I wanted to attack Northwood again. You know, I mean, I know I didn't have the best scores there, but I was convinced I could have a much better round than I did. And I'm like, if you would have had one more round, I could have (laughs) put that round up. Yeah. So, but yeah, five or six rounds seems to be what, where everyone is looking at the Mm. moment. You know, definitely don't want to go too much more than that.
0: Well, and it's also interesting that we seem to be going towards... This place of having, you know last year and this year and then next year in Utah, where we have an openish course and a wooded course. Um, and I think that's a a good contrast. I'm kind of curious to see if that trend continues for worlds well, it, in particular.
1: It definitely should be that way. Yeah. um you know I have you know, in conversations with other players and and things like that, i I have said, for example, I would prefer that FPO, and even MPO for that matter, uh, like at the Glass Blown Open. I, I'm not a fan of having right. the professional divisions just play country club. Yeah, I mean, I understand the rationale. It's easier for a touring player to master one course than it is right. to have to come in and practice two or three. Um, it's easier from a media perspective to have a place like that where they right. can set up a base. Um it certainly is more open for a gallery to follow. I mean, I understand the logistics of all of that, but from a a competition perspective, if you don't have a wooded course and you don't have an open right. course or you don't have elevation on certain courses mm-hmm. or or something like that, you're not necessarily challenging the entire right. package. Right. And for something like Worlds here, yes. where yeah. you had Northwood to really challenge some of the finesse in in close quarters, and then uh, Sunset to challenge accuracy at distance. Same thing we did at uh, Smuggler's Notch last year. You've got Fox Run for a little bit more of the open shots and Brewster Ridge for more of the tight, controlled mm-hmm. shots. And when you are going to bestow upon someone, you know, like a title like world champion or yeah. – or you know whatever you know the the premier event right a major being yeah. able to throw all of the shots or at least adapt your game to multiple right. conditions I definitely think is a key qualifier definitely. there
0: definitely yeah no I think that's a really good point
1: we're we're here talking about you know like four rounds with one final after a cut or maybe four rounds with a final nine or or something like that it seems to be where everyone's going I'm really curious from an amateur perspective, right? if everyone who goes to Am Worlds feels the same way, right? because Am Worlds often, you know, the bigger divisions is six rounds yeah. plus a semifinal, right. then a final nine. Right. Now, understandably, Am Worlds is not professional worlds in the sense that, you know, there's not a lot of touring amateur players. There are right. some, but there's not a lot of them. And amateur worlds, therefore, isn't like all of the touring players have to come in here and do this, and then they're off to the next tour, right The next stop on the tour or something. Um, amateur worlds is this is the event. Mm-hmm. This is the big one. This is everything that right. you know you you know, you're getting your points for. So do you want it to be that long? Because yeah. this is the big uh, amateur event. This is what you want to do. But I also wonder what the wear and tear on someone's body is so to have much. to potentially do right. six rounds plus a semi plus a final nine. Yeah, because when I played it, um, you know my my division I don't think had a semi final. Mm. We just had the right. the six rounds and then the final. But you know it, it was tough conditions. Yeah. Um, Quad Cities was right. humid as all get out that right. that year. So you know uh, for. Everyone who's listening, if you're an amateur and you play on worlds, do you think six rounds plus a semi plus a uh, a final is the way to go, or would you prefer to see it shortened, kind of yeah. like pro worlds is going? Oh
0: yeah, and I'm wondering like how much of the evolution that we've seen. AM World's become too, you know, like, because on the one hand, I think there's that perspective that people who take off work and are amateurs and are making the trip want to get, you know, as much golf as possible, right? Because it's like a disc golf vacation and you just want to play all these rounds. But we have more and more people making their stop at AM World's before they turn pro. And it's become kind of more of that kind of serious, not that it wasn't always a serious tournament. And again, I'm talking like 20 years ago, right? right. Um, but that if it's going to be these people are hoping to have, you know, extended disc golf careers, you know, is it is it worth thinking about maybe shortening it just, you know, to your point to avoid injury? I also wonder if it might attract more people like me personally, you know, if it's If it was like one round a day for six days, I'd be fine. But like having one round one day and then two the next and then one and then two, I that would be a big ask for my body Um, because I don't play all the time and I'm not, you know, a top level professional athlete. So, yeah, it's kind of a I think it's an interesting thing and I would love to hear um, from people as well, kind of their thoughts on that. So, uh, but yeah. yeah. Really good week. Seemed like a very successful tournament. Uh, Just that little bit of weather there at the end, it seemed like for the most part. uh, Was that true? Conditions on the ground were pretty good weather-wise? Round
1: one was wet. Okay. Um, It had rained the night before. It rained the day before. Gotcha. Um, And so the women teeing off in the morning, Northwood Northwood was still slick. Yeah. Um, It may have dried out a little bit for the... I think Bee Pool played Northwood right. Gold in the afternoon. It right. might have been drier for them. But yeah. no, in the morning for us, mm. it was still pretty wet. Yeah. In terms of rain or, or delays or anything like that, no. Right. We we got pretty lucky for most of the tournament. Yeah. We, we had some pretty good weather.
0: Yeah. So it was a good time. Uh, you can... Watch the post-produced coverage. Each round is on Central Coast Disc Golf. You can also go to Smashbox TV if you want to re-watch uh, some of the live coverage. I would recommend doing a combination of both if you have the time for it. Uh, Hannah Macbeth was with Terry Miller commentating, um, and Hannah just does a great job. She... Uh, does her research comes prepared with just a lot of facts, a lot of stories. Um so that was really really enjoyable to be able to watch them. They had uh Dixon Jowers on the ground doing some uh, from the course stuff too. Uh, yeah, I want to uh, Yeah, go just,
1: ahead. Just want to throw this out there. Um Valerie Doss, we need you in the booth with Hannah. Nothing ha- against Terry. I love right? Terry, but But I would love to see Valerie and Hannah playing off each other.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I was kind of thinking that, too. And, like, uh, while we're at it, let's throw Des Redding in there, too. Let's have a trio. Oh, well,
1: yeah. If we're going to do the three, you know, the the three... analysts let's let's get des in there too i was
0: so impressed with des at usdgc last year and i you know she hasn't done a a ton of commentating so maybe we need to start like a recruitment something something to (laughs) get her doing more because i thought she was just fantastic as well so um but yeah a lot of so much coverage yeah
1: a lot of the older school golfers give some really good insight like a couple times that elaine has done commentary i really like to hear what she has to say about the course or the shots that she would have thrown so yeah, there's a lot of women out there whose commentary would be good to uh, see a little bit more of.
0: Well, and while we're talking about Legends, I don't know if it'll come out on the CCD uh, post-produced coverage, but this is a good oh, reason. Oh, Julianna Corver, to, Yeah, I watched the live coverage. Yeah. There's an interview with her, and then um, there's an embrace between her and Paige after Paige taps in for the win. That, that's pretty special, um, for oh, sure, yeah. in terms of disc golf history. Just really fantastic uh, that she got to be there, and just a, a really cool moment. Yeah. Um, for, for disc golf. So uh, yeah, lots of coverage. Man, I was thinking earlier today, I was trying to remember where Worlds was in 2017. <laughs> like I can remember last year, then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what happened in 2017? And maybe that's just my memory and my age. And then I remembered, but I don't even remember how much coverage we had of the women in 2017. I don't feel like it was this level. Um, because I believe last year was the first year that we've had live coverage of FPO from Worlds. Uh and last year I think they got to like sixty five hundred was their top out, and this year was eight thousand was the top out for uh for the live viewers um for that last round and that was that was really sweet for sure.
1: It's getting all this live coverage is is fantastic. I mean, um I don't think in twenty sixteen there was necessarily live coverage for
0: for important I mean yeah.
1: I, I I I can't remember that FPO had any live coverage in 2016. Right before
0: I came back to the sports. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I can't, I don't think there was um, because I, uh, I feel like I've looked for it. I would have looked for it that first year, you know, as I was just trying to yeah. to get it. But this, this live thing has been really great. Um, I know there's a lot of people that maybe don't want to take the time for the live coverage, but. You know, I've been a sports fan my whole life and there's just nothing like life. Uh, getting to experience it in the moment is just so oh. cool. Uh, like it, it is an interesting
1: um, conversation to have because a post-produced round, you right. know, you're maybe looking at 60 minutes to maybe 75 minutes, right. you know, depending on how long the course is, yeah. where... If you're going to watch the live coverage, you may be taking three and a half to four hours or more out of your day. Right. I mean, it's it's great to see it live because there's nothing like the tension of not knowing the outcome. Right. Right. And you know, you're you're seeing it unfold right in front of you, and and, you know, you're on you're biting your nails or on the edge of your seat or, or or something like that, but you're still. You're still putting aside four hours of your day right. to, to get that sure. experience.
0: And and I only had like one day this week where I was really able to do that in the moment for the entire round because it was my, my one day off that I had. And I was so excited about that day that I was going to get to watch the entire round. Um, but... As always, shout out to Disk. Like, it felt very strange after, you know, Tuesday through Saturday, constantly refreshing my UDisc on my phone every five minutes, no matter where I was, to, like, not have that to do anymore, because Worlds yeah. was over. Um, so being able to follow in that way was really exciting, too. Like, I was, you know, at work Saturday trying to focus on work, and I was very busy, but I still had my phone with me, so I'm watching, you know, the, the stroke swings between Cat and Paige there uh, and just kind of guessing what was hap- was happening. since so I wasn't able to, to watch it. Um, but I will always do that. I'm not like a person. I can't wait. There's no way I could wait for the post-produced coverage. I need to know cause I can know. Um, but there's people that wait too. And that's, that's cool. You know, um, there's it's, so maybe it's not a bad thing that we have so many ways to consume it right now. Uh, just depending on what you have time for and what you're interested in. Oh, I, will,
1: I will always watch live coverage if I can. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to watch the post-produced coverage of like a tennis match. I want to see it as it's happening. <laughs> right, for sure. So, you know, having live disc golf, I mean, understandably, I have to take the time out of my day, but I'm going right. to take the time out of my day. I, I want to yeah. see it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It was, yeah, just really great that we can have that. And uh, yeah, so good talk. Any other thoughts about this this week's Worlds? No, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we kind of covered it all. I
1: think, I think we've covered it all. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk through all this with me. I was so excited that you were going to be there um, and have the the player perspective and the on-the-ground perspective is, is always neat to have. Because as much as, you know, we were just talking about the live and the post-produced, uh, it's so great to have those. But there's nothing like actually being there and seeing these courses and playing these courses in person. So thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Ladies of the Chains podcast. Thank you as always to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get. Use the code GUITAR at checkout for a discount if you are a new customer. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to whoever it was that found my photon at Rosedale today. I can't wait to get that disc back. (laughs) Thank you to the storms last night for shaking my disc out of the tree. (laughs) Have a great week and we'll catch you here next time on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.